HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit rothcheese.com. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. Welcome to Pizza Talk, and I'm here with Sarah Minnick, who's coming to us from Portland, Oregon, from, uh, well, really one of Portland's reigning pizza giants. Uh, In fact, I read an article recently that said, uh, between you and a pizza shoals and Ken's, you have made Portland the pizza center of the United States. I don't know if that's, you know, if, if we want to talk about that, if you guys want to claim those bragging rights or not, but you're one of the reasons why. Sarah, uh, your pizzeria is what, Lovely, love, Lovely, is it Lovely's 50-50 or Lovey's? Yeah, Lovely's 50-50, uh, lovely. So you yeah. what, what the name comes from, and then if you wouldn't mind, just kind of, for those who, who've never been there and, and, and don't know you, kind of Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, um, so let's see. Lovely's 50-50. Um, the name comes from, the 50-50 is half ice cream, half pizza. Oh. But really, it's mostly pizza. <laughs> but we do but so a good amount ice of ice cream. cream. I've heard that the ice cream is pretty amazing. So I, I see where the yeah. other comes from. I, I just be- ate some last night. I never really eat it, but my son was like, go get ice cream. So he went down there and picked up a couple of pints and brought it back. I was like, this is pretty good. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we're going to circle back to ice cream in a bit because okay. I, if I was at the restaurant. I would be definitely scarfing it down. Uh, but I want to, and I want to find out more about it. But yeah, let's hear more about how it all came to be. I know it's at least ten years old now. Yeah, it's uh, ten plus years old. Um, it the name is from. So let's see. My sister and I have owned a restaurant in Portland for over fifteen years, <clears throat> and the first five years we had a restaurant that was just more of a typical model. It was. Um, you know, appetizers, entrees, desserts, um, sit down. It wasn't fancy, but it was maybe what people consider to be special occasion for like a birthday or something or anniversary. I, I heard that a lot. People would say, this is our favorite restaurant. We come here once a year on our birthday. <laughs> and I was just like, hmm, I think I want like better odds. <laughs> you know, like, right. I, I like that. That's really nice. But especially um, around the year 2000, when we started to have the economic downturn, my sister and I were like, you know, 
and we started to have kids. Um, we, we wanted a place that was a little more family friendly, a little more casual, something that people would go to every week. And so um, I actually was just, I had the chef that I was working with at the time at our old first restaurant, which is called Lovely Hula Hands, which is where the lovelies comes from. Um, he had worked at Chez Panisse for like five or six years. And so wow. there were a lot of times we went down and did some sort of research trips, went to Chez Panisse, went to um, have ice cream and pizza at the different you know restaurants down there that basically like Chez Panisse alums had opened. Right. And, I, and I was really, really... It's um, like the mother house of an entire like generation of restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. I mean, like, I think all the restaurants that people had that opened down there were the really inspiring ones like Camino. Um, and the ice cream place was easy. I was really um, enamored with their ice cream, a lot of seasonal fruit ice creams. And she had been a pastry chef at Chez Panisse. And so I just decided like I, th- that combination of things and seeing it through the eyes of like a real seasonality, but very casual and accessible was what it inspired me to open Lovelies basically and just try to have a more free-flowing space with an open kitchen, um, lower price point. And, and, and that, um, somebody said when we first switched, I don't have a good feeling about this. And I was like, what? <laughs> Pizza and ice cream? You don't have a good feeling about it? I was just like, that just sort of blew me away. Right. But I, what, that made me a little worried. I was like, wait, really? Because I'm thinking it's like the perfect combination and it's going to be, you know, a sort of like slam dunk for everybody like good for me good for you everyone's going to benefit from just the accessibility and i would think about that that time people were would have said pizza and gelato instead of right yeah right and maybe if they had said gelato they would have said oh i feel a lot better about it (laughs) yeah i guess so put the fancy spin on it yeah i've been pretty like solid in maintaining that you know i think a lot of times people do associate pizza and ice cream with italy and at that point, I hadn't been to Italy, and I was like, "This is an American place. It's American pizza, American ice cream." Good you know, point. I wasn't even really sure like what gelato, what the differences were, but I was like, right. "I know for sure I'm not Italian, and so I'm not going to be trying to make them play that game." <laughs> right? I know. I was like, "I know about ice cream, uh, but that's about it." So, um, so yeah, that, that's really the basis of it. And you know, at at our first restaurant, working with um, Troy McClarty, who was the chef there, I really got a pretty good dose of like meeting local farmers. I was very inspired working with them. And it was great to just like know the people who are growing your food. And I was just really looking for that way to infuse that into something a little simpler that I could do. Um, because he moved on to other things. And I just saw myself in this endless cycle of hiring chefs and it, and it, I realized it wasn't sustainable to keep doing that. I just didn't want to be like working with chefs who weren't owners Um, I wanted to, my sister and I wanted to maintain ownership. And so I just kind of threw myself into the pizza world and the ice cream world by, um, I made ice cream at home. Um, and like, you know, the big thing with the ice and the rock salt, you know, and I would like give it away. I just make like gallons of it. I did that one summer. Um, Sarah, you weren't really initially weren't trained on the culinary side. Weren't you more uh, an art student at one time? I mean, how did that be? Yeah. uh Oh, from art to food. Well, you know, it's funny. I had always worked in restaurants at a very young age. I got a job just, that was just my first jobs. And I ran like the student run cafe and and the kitchen side of it, um, where I went to school, uh, in Rhode Island at Rhode Island school of design. We had, I I actually have a degree in painting from there. That was my first degree. And so, um, so yeah. There's an awful lot of chefs that came out of RISD from the art side. I know. I noticed that. I know it's true. I think it does go hand in hand with just like 
you know, you, you learn a way of thinking that's just, um, that, that this creative way of thinking and you, and I, for me, I always like to do new things and those are the exciting things or just kind of participate in the cycle of things like seasons. And, um, and so I think that's actually what's really gleaned from going to art school is just that thought process of sort of challenging yourself, thinking critically about things like that. And that's what really helped me. And that's why I think a lot of chefs come out of art schools. Um, and were, I mean, when you were in Providence, uh, at, at RISD, did you know the uh, Joanne and George from Al Forno, or did you ever eat it at, at their restaurant? I, you know what? I didn't. I heard about it. I don't know what was going on. I think just being kind of a student was not, I, you know, in Providence, I did do some exploring, but really, I remember, I don't even know where it was. I remember hearing about it and being like, I think it's too far away from my yeah. apartment. <laughs> I can't go. Student, you can't really afford to eat at Al Forno, but I mean, they sort of. <laughs> changed the world with their grilled pizzas. And I know, course, big mistake Joanne, not going. And they're both RISD folks, you know, themselves. And, yeah. and uh, Joanne really made her mark on the pastry side uh, as well as, you know, on, on the on the culinary side. So it seems like there's an awful lot of interesting, I don't know, uh, even though it's indirect, uh, some inspiration that seems to come out of merging the, the artistic side with the culinary side. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I... For me, I was a little terrified of learning pizza because just a few, like, wait, you know, just a few times I tried to make bread or pizza. I was like, this is hard. It takes a long time. But once I sort of calmed down and just really decided to learn it, um, I mean, it, it took a while, but it, uh, it came a little naturally. Not to say that I don't just learn all the time still and I just constantly learning more. Um, and I'm not afraid to change things when I learn something. I mean, you know, I, I, not, not to say that I'm experimenting constantly on people, but definitely I'll just change all the dough for one day and be like, I don't know, I just added more whole wheat. I just wanted to see, you know, how it works. Right, right. And I'll be like, nah, it wasn't my favorite. And everyone got pizza with that dough tonight. Uh, you know, and overall, probably I'm the only person who could see the difference. But um I'm not, I think that experimenting is also what keeps it new for me and interesting. Um, using flour more like a raw ingredient, like a vegetable or something, and just not, and just really not being afraid to change it and be a little braver with it, I guess. We've talked so. with a lot of um, uh, sort of new generation pizza makers who uh, also did not grow up in the quote pizza business or the milieu and didn't feel or, or and weren't beholden to the Italian. Neapolitan tradition, and so they didn't feel that they had to follow any rules uh, in order to, you know, they were free to kind of find their own way within the pizza world, which sounds like this happened with you. I understand, you know, you use a lot of whole grain in, addi in addition to the toppings, which are, it sounds like farmer, farm to table driven, um, but your your dough is also pretty high in uh, whole grain influence too, right? Yeah, it's it's at 40%. It has been for a couple of years. So that's um, a pretty significant amount, really. For yeah, it's pretty big. I, I keep thinking like, I gotta, I don't know why we don't have 50%, because that would make sense, 50-50, or why we're not 100%, you know? And so I'll experiment, and then I'll be like, I, there's a reason we're at 40%. It's perfect. <laughs> like, I'm like, don't, don't ever think it. called the Lovelies 40-60. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, good idea. New, new, new idea for a restaurant name. <laughs> and the pizzas are, are, are cooked in a wood-fired oven, right? They're, so they're... 
kind of you know we did uh, have a wood we had a wood fired oven for the first 10 years and i just changed to a pizza master really see everyone's yeah jumping on that pizza master bandwagon you really oh man i mean i'm just gonna say that we had a wood oven for that long and it was really challenging and interesting to learn how to cook with it and so when the pandemic hit um, we were sort of faced with, we, we've just been doing to-go pizzas now, and the volume has really skyrocketed. We were doing about 140 pizzas in about three and a half hours, which for me is a lot. And we used to do maybe 100, 120 in five hours. Yeah. And so we had a lot more deck recoup time and just time to keep the fire, you know, to manage the fire, which took a lot of time. But once, and, and I have wanted to switch for years now, just because I needed, I wanted a more consistent bake. I didn't want to sit there and have... My little wood, my big wood, my thing. And I was like, the the um, the oak, the, you know, the alder. It's like, I kind of just drove myself insane with that. And I, I mean, because you have to in order to get kind of more of a, a bread baker's approach to pizza to get the temperatures you need. And you're sitting there with a the gun and you're just, I just, it caused me so much anxiety. It was like, all I did was think about it, you know? And, um, and so... I wanted to switch. I was worried. I was scared to switch too, just because I think there's a lot of romance around wood. It is a beautiful way to cook. It looks beautiful in the restaurant. Um, it's very cozy and warm to go into a restaurant and light a big fire and roast all your vegetables. I mean, I, I loved it in that way, but um, switching to the pizza master has been a 100% game changer and it has helped me get over the trauma <laughs> of trying to maintain deck heat you know what yeah. I, and especially when we were switched to the high volume for the last four months for the first two months we did it with the wood oven i mean did it was you, painful it was painful did you have to make any changes either in the formula or the uh, baking times using using the is it gas I or was, electric driven the uh, it's electric yeah electric. it's electric uh i was ready to because i so i've used the breville and i've used pizza master at pizza expo in different places like that um and I, I thought maybe I would need to maybe add some malted flour, some malt, just to kind of help with the browning or, you know, I wasn't exactly sure, but no, I didn't have to make a single change. Uh, they definitely cook longer, but that's what I've always wanted them to do. <laughs> I've always been like, so now I have, I have three decks. We can fire nine pieces at a time. Um, and they take about eight to 10 minutes. And I think in the wood oven, we never could let them be in there that long because no, I, just whatever, I, live fire, you know. Yeah, small. <laughs> you know. So you're. So what are you baking at? About six hundred, five fifty. Yeah, five ninety. Five ninety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it is. And pretty a, great. Well, you know, uh, Brian Spangler, who you know from uh, a piece of shows, um, uh, who's a big fan of of Lovelies. I mean, he's the one who said you've got to get Sarah on the show. Um, uh, he, he's one of my favorite quotes from Brian is uh, when people used to ask him way back in the beginning when when he was not using wood fire and everybody else was doing wood and uh, they said, why aren't you doing wood fire? And he says, well, he says, I believe it's, it's the quality of the heat, not the, not the source of the heat. It's the quality of the BTUs. He said that makes the difference. And so he just decided not to go that way. And, uh, and while I think you're right, there's a huge, you know, reason to stay with wood and do wood, especially, you know, in, at this time when wood fire is so hot and then there's romance and everything else. Um, from a functional standpoint, uh, you need a deck that could put out a lot of peaches and you need to be able to maintain, you know, temperature and everything else. It, it seems like there's a move back, back towards deck ovens and 
Yeah, I mean, people have a real romance around the fire stuff. Um, I don't. <laughs> just you, like, you've I chopped enough wood to, uh, to paid your dues on the wood chopping. Definitely not. And I have a, I have a little back uh, oven, you know, backyard wood oven, just one of those little Stadler made ovens. And um, I'm I'm almost over the trauma to be able to use that again. <laughs> like, I still have my little, have have my little uh, 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 it's a Primavera, uh, you know, uh, Forno Bravo single pizza oven. I can do one pizza at a time in it. And I fire Sounds it up good. a few times during the summer and I love cooking other things in it besides pizza. Oh, me too. But, yeah, yeah. So it is fun. And when you have people over, you love to fire up the, the wood. But if I had to do that and crank out 100 pizzas a night or 200 pizzas a night, you know, I, no. I think you, hit, you sort of at some point, uh, you know, hit the wall. On the other hand, I'm sure it's great training, you know, for young folks coming up to learn how to master uh, the WFO ovens, you know, and and, uh, and and be able to, I don't know, learn how to cook. I'm sorry, I think you cut out a little bit. Yeah. Well, we this is the Zoom world that we live in. We, we get, yeah. we, <laughs> um, so we just plow through it. But anyway, so, okay, so it's yeah. that in your own curve, so to speak. You've gone through the wood fire thing and now have an oven that you love uh, and is giving you uh, volume and consistency without any any trade-off in quality. Yeah, I don't have to think about that part of it as much. And we, de- I definitely do. You know, I, we, we tinker with the temperatures all night just to, just because I think that's one thing you really learn from cooking in the wood is it's like you have to tinker. When I was first working with Breville, they were like, you don't have to turn the pizza, just leave it in there. It has all this stuff to like cook. And I was like, I mean, no pizza maker is not going to turn the pizza. I was just like, it's right. just, we have to, it's going to happen. You could say that, but like, I, I find it not going to be able to do that. I have to turn it anyway because yeah, it's like, too dark in the back, you know, if I don't turn yeah. it. Yeah. Their big okay. thing is they have, it, it's supposed to be so mad, you know, it's supposed to work in this magical way that you think, and it might, but I'll probably never know because I won't leave one in there without turning it. <laughs> I'm not going to risk that one. <laughs> I'm not going to say like, can't. It's just... find out. <laughs> well, I, before we run out of time on this segment, and I know you have, you're going to do a little show and tell in our next segment. Um, but I, I did want to ask you to, if you could talk a little bit about sort of your philosophy of ingredients, having kind of been influenced by the Chez Panisse, you know, vision, which really was the start of the farm to table movement in America. Uh, it sounds like you do a lot of work with local growers, farmers, and, and then you're constantly changing up your pizzas too. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that once I figured out the real connection of knowing farmers and, and you know, grain growers, farmers, it was really something I couldn't do without. And just the excitement of printing a menu every day and having farmers bring you stuff that you might not even know is coming and just working with it. At first, I think people think it's a little challenging, especially if you hire people who work in other kitchens that have more consistency and stuff like that. Um, but for me, it just came, it, it, it automatically made sense. And I find that to be the really fun and fulfilling part of it. Um, and the, also just the quality of ingredients is so much better. I mean, I, I think I think at Lovelies, we've used straight farm produce all year round. We live in a temperate climate in Oregon, but um, for eight years. And so I haven't seen pretty much any, you know, old produce coming from California or Mexico or wherever it's coming. And um, 
because in the first years when we had to sort of supplement in the winter, that stuff would show up and I'd be like, what is this? <laughs> I'd be like, this stuff looks terrible. And I remember some looking at me and be like, oh, you are so spoiled. <laughs> I was like, uh, right. Yeah, I guess. But like, I just noticed the difference is so big that it's just not something I can like compromise on anymore and just haven't had to, which has been really nice. I mean, with the pandemic, we, we have had to do, um, the volume is a little different. And so, you know, it's been not as creative because we have to be, you know, we have to use kale the whole week. We have to use, you know, so it's not as fun. We can't have special pizzas on one day usually, but um, it's, it's still there. And I know hopefully in the future we'll come back. So, yeah. But yeah. So, uh, so on a typical night of whether, well, I don't know if it's changed during the, this, this sort of uh, curbside period that we're in now, but um, how many pizzas are on the menu? How many different choices do you offer? Uh, right now it's like five and usually it would be seven or eight and we'd have a bunch of appetizers. Back when we had the wood, there were a lot of wood fired vegetables and salads. We kind of had to let go of the appetizers because right now it's just actually, um, me and my sister are running it. Um, just because it's not safe to have a bunch of employees back yet. And, um, we're just trying to keep it. So you know, distance than yourself. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the creativity is, and, and every time I do try to be a little creative, I'll add something and I'll just kill myself and I'll be like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, we can't. So, so for right now, you're not shuffling up the menus every day or every week based on. No, we're just open three days a week right now. And we sell about 140 pizzas each of those days. And I have to set them for the three days because people are ordering via text and I just want to keep the consistency there. Um, so it's, it's not as fun, but nothing is as fun right now. So uh, that's just the bottom line. <laughs> the pizza community has made an amazing pivot, I think, during this period. And so many places have survived where other styles of restaurants haven't been able to because of, of this. Number one, finding sort of the groove. Everybody wants, to, wants pizza. They're willing to come. In a, in a tight little window and pick it up and yep. uh, and you don't have to necessarily focus as much on the creative side as much as getting people the pizza that they need you know and that they're this almost right. like a logical need as much as a culinary need for for good pizza right now yeah it's true are you doing ice cream right now as well yeah uh-huh yeah we're selling i think we're selling about 150 200 pints a week we're just wow. selling pints Okay, yeah, well, so, we'll come back on, on part two. Let's talk more about ice cream. But and what do you okay. guys you're going to show us a little a little uh, uh, show and tell for us in, in part two? What, what were you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to make you guys a little pizza. I actually went out last night, and uh, we have a pretty big garden at home here, and so I snipped off a bunch of stuff. I'm just going to make a little summer pizza demo. You're going to do uh, it your little Breville oven, right? Yeah, uh-huh, my little pizza right. yolo. Yep. We'll be right back with more Pizza Quest, right after this break. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. Roth has made specialty cheese in the rolling hills of Wisconsin for more than 30 years. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning Alpine-style Grand Cru cheeses. Fresh Wisconsin milk, combined with expertise in affinage, is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, 
Hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Sir Schwa was named World Champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. Welcome back to Pizza Talk. I'm with Sarah Minnick, and she's coming to us from Portland, Oregon, my really one of my favorite cities in the country, and definitely, I would have to say, the most interesting food city in the United States. So many great ideas. It's an incubator for great ideas, uh, and um, and Lovely's 50-50 is certainly one of them. So, Sarah, thanks for, for being with us, and I know you're going to make something for us right now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... We've been talking Sorry, about I didn't catch it. I was doing that little now. Little oven. <laughs> that okay. Okay. And, bear with me. I'm and, moving over. And, and as we as we get going, you'll be able for those who don't already know about the Breville Pizzaiolo oven. You'll you'll put it in action. Um, there's yep. A tour that just came out like about a year ago, and and they sold out immediately. So now they, I think people have to wait till the end of the year before they can order them again. But oh uh, wow, is that true? I better quit telling people to get one. Well, I, that's what I heard. I better wait. Uh, you, okay. You need, all right. Good to uh, know. Good yeah, to know. Originated in Australia, uh, and uh, it's a single pizza, a little electric oven, designed to replicate a wood-fired oven. Um, interesting angle. Yeah, this it has it has actually like six settings. Uh-huh. So it has um, frozen, pan, New York, thin and crispy, wood-fired, and then you can ask, you can go up to like nine hundred degrees, and it has like a hacker mode where you can change the different temperatures around. Um, <laughs> Because I everybody just, likes to hack their oven. They all want to, they don't want to follow the, the settings. They want to do it their own way. <laughs> I know. I, they totally thought, they're like, you're going to want to hack it. I was like, no, I'm just going to use a thin and crispy setting. <laughs> like, that's totally, right. I'm like, I'm not, I don't need to tinker. I use it for the, for my deep pan pizzas. I you do like a Detroit oh, yeah. style, but it's yeah. a round pan. It came with it and it makes a, a, a perfect, uh, I set it at, I think it has a setting and it's somewhere around 475 to 500 degrees. And in, uh, yeah. In about 16 minutes, it makes a perfect uh, deep pan pizza. Yeah, you know, this thing is really great. I, I, I work for Breville sometimes, but like beyond that, this thing is amazing. It heats up in about 15 minutes. Um, the first time I worked on it and used it, I had it at work. And I just like took a pizza. I was working and I plugged it in, in the back. And I just like took a pizza and put it in there. And I was like, just expecting, I don't know, I've used a few different little ovens. And just expecting like... Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. But it actually just looked exactly like the ones we were doing in the wood fired oven. And I was just like, wow, okay, I get it now. Wait, it's like, that's it's impressive. actually yeah. going to work. In <laughs> yeah. that moment, they had you in the, in the palm of the Oh, yeah, I was pretty happy about it. I was like, okay, good. I can really, really work with this. Okay, so, hold on one second. So um, you're going to make a pizza uh, using your dough. Is this the same dough you use at Lovelace? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I'm going to make now, so I just went, like I said, last night and got some little cherry tomatoes. Um, one of our popular pizzas at Lovely's, we put flowers on the top. So I picked out some flowers um, and usually I'll just kind of trim them up so they're not too obtrusive. You're not eating yeah, like a whole flower or something like that. You'll just get it for um, uh, aesthetic purposes mostly. And just because it's pretty fun to, I'll show you at the end, to get that put down in front of you or in this case order it to go so i'm also like a pretty big fan of shaving ingredients um, and getting them very thin um and use at lovely's a lot of raw ingredients on pizza and not a lot of pre-cooking of things 
Um, but this is the way that I get them to cook nicely. So usually I'll take, so I got some summer squash, I shaved it and put it in here. I got these little comfy tomatoes. Usually I confit them just to get the liquid out. And so they're not too liquidy when they go on the pizza and they don't create like a big, you know, watery mess. Yeah. Um, and then I have basil here. So this is a pizza we have right now. And we have this uh, every summer for a pretty long run, usually a few months or as that? long as these things are in season. So basically I tossed in here, it's summer squash, cherry tomatoes, basil. I tossed salt and olive oil. I seasoned everything. Um, and then I, I always put a little parm in there too. And it kind of coats all the veggies. And then when it's in the oven, the parm is melting and helping the veggies cook. Nice. So I had that. So, so basically every pizza has that method. Um, and I just have these, let's see, little doughs here. These are my little guys. These are the 40% whole grains ones. And this is, I gotta say, this is like pretty awesome way to proof things. You can mix your dough in like a Cambro 12 quart. And then you can kind of clean it out. And then I use it as a proofer. Oh, that's and nice. that way you're not having a bunch of separate equipment for things. And I love these containers. Anyway, I have them all over the house with like yeah. rice, flour, whatever else you got in there. Um, and so, and I can usually proof. These are, these are 250 gram dough balls. Uh, love these. We use 400. Um, so okay. these are a little smaller. I make them a little smaller for the Breville just because the deck is a little bit right. smaller. So more typical so just, uh, to an attack to a Naples style uh, right usually this is the size we use for kids <laughs> at lovelies um I like a lot of crust and not too thin usually so and then I use I use a mix of semolina and whole grain flour as my bench flour and you, um, you that, that your dough has 40 percent whole grain in it is it whole wheat or is it some other other yeah grain? it's whole wheat it's a mix it's um so I have 60% um, central milling flour in here. <clears throat> I use a little bit of high mountain, high gluten, and the rest is artisan baker's craft. Uh -huh. And then I, um, the other 40% is from Pamas Country Mill, which is a farm and miller oh, in yeah. Southern Oregon. Yeah, very and well. And so it's a mixture of spelt, um, hard red spring wheat, and Edison flour. And so it's a combination of those three whole grains. And it's kind of, I keep messing with it and changing it around or I'll use Durham or something different in there. And I just keep coming back to this mix. <clears throat> it's pretty good. I like, I like all three of them for different reasons. Yeah. The highest percentage is Edison flour, which is a white wheat that was actually developed here. I think it was maybe in Washington. And, um, it's, I think the story is that it was made and it, it really has some of the characteristics just at least visually of white flour. And so kids like it. If they're kind yep. of thinking like, I don't like whole wheat or brown bread. I want to get this white wheat, this Edison bread, Edison flour. And so they were using it like schools yeah, exactly. um, kind of, for you, bread. You talk about a hack. You, you can hack, <laughs> I know. You hack your flour so, by, by giving a white wheat instead of a, a red wheat. And, and they think they're eating yeah. white flour. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, so this is my my little method. I got uh, I got my dough. I stretched it out. I don't, I don't do the smashing thing. I like there to be some gentle bubbles and things like that. Um, and I usually, that, that dough is very extensible. It seemed like it just spread. Oh right yeah. Quickly. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is a pretty high hydration right now I'm working with. It's about 74%. Uh -huh. So yeah. Um, and so I always lay down a layer of aged moths. This is grande aged moths. Um, every pizza gets that as a base American style. 
<laughs> and then I usually just do like a single single layer of um, toppings. So, so this one, I'll show you. And then I have on each pizza going usually about maybe like three or four cheeses, sometimes more. So this one has the grande. And then I'm just using a little bit of this. It's a local cheese from Washington. It's organic. It's called Sleeping Beauty. And it's, it operates a little bit like Fontina. It's not quite that strong uh -huh. of flavor, but it melts beautifully like that. And then Fontina. this is another Washington cheese that's a sheep's cheese, uh, fresh sheep's cheese. And I just kind of dot this on the top. So. Um, is it a soft cheese or is it a. a yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like Chev or Fromage Blanc. So you can yeah, see those sort of layers. Yeah. And so. Sure. Everything's layered on here. It's going to cook nicely. The top is protected with a couple layers of cheese. And then this one always comes with a little drizzle of this stuff. I don't know if you use this stuff, but it's um, it's olive oil pressed with oranges. And they have a few different flavors. This is the orange one. I do lemon. It's an Italian um, ingredient. And uh, it's really good. It's, it's pretty strong. I just put a little bit on top. But it's nice with the cherries the, the, the cherry tomatoes. Come through the, the flavor. Yeah, big time. It's, it really does. Yeah, I have a couple of people ask for this pizza without it. Lovely. And I'm always like, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. You got to have it. You got to okay, so. All right. So now that you... Okay, so I loaded that. It's all thin it. and crispy. It probably will take about eight the oven minutes. As you opened the door, the stone came yeah. out to meet you. Yeah, that's so you why this thing is great for... That's why this is great for home. Um, it takes out some of the more frustrating things that you can imagine people go through at home when they're making pizza. I think people's biggest anxiety is getting off the peel. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, um, I, I think, you know, you can't use too much bench flour. I actually think like somebody started a fire, maybe using too much bench flour. I don't want to say it was Scott Wiener. Maybe it was Scott Wiener. Anyway, he, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to ask him about that one ask him the story oprah might have been there i don't remember anyway <laughs> ask him i don't know anyway somewhere in new york anyway so in his, in his um, little Breville oven he set it on fire <laughs> i think so or at least set off the fire oh yeah, alarm yeah. Uh, well, in like a in like a big building in new york and breville got in trouble or something i don't well, know we'll find anyway. out from scott what happened we'll let you all know <laughs> yeah ask him um so yeah so anyway um yeah that's the great thing about the oven the the deck comes down it lowers down and then when you put it back up it rises back up so it can get the elements on the okay. top to be yeah. cooking the top of the pizza it's a really nicely designed you know a piece of equipment uh it's awesome i mean you can touch it giving them a lot it's of shout like, out. they're not one of our sponsors or anything but they but they have been it's kind of a it was kind of a breakthrough uh tool and i don't think anyone has copied them yet or you know done anything quite the same as what they've got there yeah i mean honestly i i think it's worth like people ask me all the time because they want to make pizza at home or backyard or whatever and it's just when you find something that works you have to make sure people know about it it's like okay because i mean inside i you know at home you kind of have your four your your choices are pizza stone pizza steel um and just working with your home oven and a lot of times you know, it's just, you're just, it's really hard to get the same results as you would professionally in a professional oven. And you can, I mean, you can. I got ask you something. Now there's, I yeah. see steam or, is that steam or smoke coming out? Yeah, of it's just steam. Yeah, steam. So we're not in the Scott It's just because of the tomatoes. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not doing a Scott Wiener fire in here. 
Uh, uh, that's normal for, the, for that for that to be venting a little bit of steam or smoke. Yeah. 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 It's fine. Um, yeah. And what do you you have it set for? What for a Neapolitan style pizza? How long? This is uh, thin and crispy. I'm using thin and crispy. So yeah. what's it about a three to four minute bake? No, I'm going to be longer. longer. It probably will run maybe eight minutes. Oh, okay. Well, Here, let me get my let me well, turn while, this that's thing. That's good. While it's while it's baking, we can talk a little bit about ice cream. Okay, yeah, yeah. Here, see, you can see, like, it's still, still got a ways to go in here. But it's okay. getting some of the, the bottom getting cooked. Some color, yeah. And this yeah. also has, like, a dial that you can do the top uh, lighter or darker. But oh. you can really get this too hot. I've fired this thing up, and it's been, like, you know, it's way too hot. I know. I saw some of but. their early demo tapes, you know, the videos that they made. And they had various famous pizza makers doing them. And, uh, mm -hmm. and one of them came out. And, and and half the pizza was like charred, you know, beyond where they really wanted it. So of course the camera zoomed in on the other half that wasn't dark, you know, but that's just all right. about the I think it's not fair when they, when somebody goes and does a demo for them and they haven't had a chance to practice on it, you know, they're, yeah. it's kind of all or nothing. It, it, yeah. It took me a while too, of doing a few uh, different events with this. They're great for teaching and stuff because they're very portable. Um well, I'm going to get it right. I, I kept trying to use the wood fired up setting because I was like, yeah, that wood fired setting, that's what I would use. And then it's just, it's too hot, actually. <laughs> so, I'm going to do a video uh, for Breville with Scott, uh, but I'm going to do the pan pizza in there because that's, that's been my sort of focus lately. And I love that round pan that it came with. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to film it in on a Friday. I think, I don't know if it goes out live or if it goes out tape, but sometime in September, we're going to, we're going to do something in that oven. Um, yeah. But but I know the 50-50 was about pizza and ice cream. So tell uh, can you tell us a little bit about your, I, for lack of a better word, your ice cream philosophy? Because ice cream, like pizza, there's so many different ways you can approach it. Um, and yeah, it's this, I mean, you know, we, I approach it really similarly. We, we did sell, we did used to make cones and sell lots and tons of cones of ice cream. And now we're just doing the pints. Um, but so it's a little bit bigger batches and kind of the same thing that's happened with the pizza. We've had to streamline it a little bit and just have, I think we have about five flavors right now and um, a couple of like just basic classic ones that we have and um, some seasonal ones using raspberries and stuff like that from one of, you know, a few of our favorite farms. And um, so, but same thing. I mean, it's, it's just nice to work with some ingredients. I steep a lot of like herbs and different things that grow just in Oregon and even just in my, from my yard. And it's nice to just work that way seasonally with the same products. And we use dairy from Strauss Dairy in Northern yeah. California. So we have organic yeah. ice cream. So you bring it um, up from California. The, the, I know Strauss is very beloved in the San Francisco oh, yeah. area. Uh, so yeah. that's a long way for it to travel to get to you though. Um, yeah, we, we order it by the, by the 2,000 pound pallet. Is there something <laughs> about that particular milk and the dairies that they're getting their their milk from it differs from say something you could get in Oregon. I mean, I there's not that much to get in Oregon. Strangely, I think that because um, what what most sort what most ice cream places are making ice cream in volume, these dairies go through and they make sort of a a, a basic custard base. It's kind of a blank base that's already made that has um, the eggs already in it, uh -huh. and so not once you reach like. In our peak, we make 40 to 50 gallons a week. And it's been many times that we've run out of the base and had to make it from scratch and separate all the eggs and do all that. But that's really not 
very sustainable if you want to make that much ice cream. Yeah, that's Unless that's all you're doing and you have like a very diehard philosophy of make of really wanting to include that pro- step in your process. But so in Oregon, I don't think that there's a couple of dairies that do it in Southern Oregon and they're not organic. And there's usually like corn syrup or additives and stuff like that. But Strauss yeah. makes one that, um, you know, Byright uses and um, different places in California uses. I think we're the only people in... Um, in uh, Oregon using that here. Well, years um, ago, we, did a, we did an episode of Pizza Quest when we were out on the road filming uh, and we went to Byright right Creamery in uh, San Francisco in the Mission District. And uh, and they just started giving me like spoons of, to taste all the different flavors. And it yeah. was, I couldn't stop, you know, it was like, the, oh yeah. they kept saying, you want another one? I said, of course I want another one. The flavors were unique and original. They're, Right. Yeah. So, so basically there Strauss supplies you with an organic base that you usually we cook almost every single flavor, usually steep herbs or, you know, we have a lot of melted chocolate and stuff like that you add. And so that's sort of the process that we go through. We definitely have to do a lot of work to get to the finished product. Um, You must have a big maker though, to be able to process that. (laughs) No, I don't. I should have one. I only can do one gallon at a time. So, wow. So you're just continually making ice cream. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's kind of going on in the background and while everything else is happening yeah. you know it's, it's it's okay i i thought about getting a bigger one maybe some point but that's part of, part of some you know, i think why people love uh love these 50 50 is that it's still very artisan it's like you're working you know you're you're working in larger bodies but you're still doing everything very artisan style you know small batches and the personal touch that the fact that you're personally involved in every step of the way is probably and your sister. Yeah, I've always really liked that part. I mean, I've never wanted to. I've always felt uncomfortable kind of leaving it. Um, even if I'm just gone for out of town for a little while, I'm always just kind of like, yeah, or have a night off. Um, so yeah. it's been kind of fun to just be in complete control of it now. And I've actually learned, you know, a lot more about I've been just because of my just because my process has changed a little bit. I've been hand mixing a big part of the dough and um, it's been kind of fun. And I've gotten really, really more connected um, with hydration and um, fermentation, doing it that way. Even though I've been making dough for you know almost 10 years, that part of it has really I've learned a lot in this past few months doing it that way. And just being I think the connection of like making the dough and making all the pizzas, I'm just like. I'm very, very connected to what's going on with like environment and my starter. And um, I've really learned a lot, which has been the sort of flip side, good stuff to operating in a pandemic, you know? I think that uh, there's something so grounding about working with dough and having your hands in the dough. It's one of my favorite parts of bread baking is just just handling dough. And uh, it does connect you. Like you said, I think there's a big theme that has emerged through these interviews is the sense of being connected to what you're doing. And being connected to you have a pizza that we're about to connect with here. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'll just show you. This is a good shot of that. Can you see? Yeah, it's got a a nice little chart. Because I can also, I can also, uh, let's give you a little view here this way, because this is looking, well, maybe the light's a little bit better. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. This is Zoom. There we okay, go. Zoom. Okay, there you go. So there it yeah. is. And the, then uh, the aerial view. Get the, you got to get the flowers on there. And, the, and so the flowers are big. I know flowers are kind of almost a signature you item, for you, aren't they? Like, <laughs> Just on this pizza, usually. But yeah, so okay, so I'll try to. Sorry, I wasn't quite on that 
display. There we go. So yeah, got the flowers on there. Yeah. But look how the flowers um, really you know, you, kind of make it pop. Perfect. I don't know. Check this out, Breville. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Really. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you guys at Breville, yeah, yeah. you're getting a free shout out here. Thank you. Anytime. For, for <laughs> making this happen. Um, so so that would be kind of a small version of a, of an actual pizza that you serve it. Yeah. This is one we've been selling about, I don't know, a uh, hundred of these a week right now, just being up in the three days. But yeah, so it's a lot of flowers. We go through maybe like six of these containers. So you go out, uh, I have my little snipper uh, scissors yeah, to cut yeah. them all down. But that's that's the fun part. And we still get to have this pizza, which is great. Um, what kind of flowers are they? Are they nasturtiums? These are, um, yeah, they're nasturtiums. I've got some dahlias in there. Um, so the dahlias are edible, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. you can eat the the bulbs too. They're kind of like potatoes. You can like shave them. I mean, they're not the potatoes are better than dahlia bulbs, <laughs> but if you right. if you were only had dahlia bulbs or something, you could eat you those. Could survive. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, calendula, just whatever's out there. Delphinium is that what that is? Yeah. So usually we plant a lot of flowers out here just so we have extra. And I get flowers from farmers too because I don't have that many flowers. But I, I love how they make the the visual aspect of the pizza pop and and, and provide contrast and it just yeah it adds another dimension. Yeah, I think um, some people are like, oh, it's a crutch. You know, I hear people like complaining about flowers and cooking, but I, to me, I'm just like, there. It's just so fun and beautiful. I think it's a big part to eat to have food be beautiful too. I don't, you know, I, I think I've heard people argue that it doesn't have to be. And, um, I think that like deliciousness and beauty go together. So I'm kind of like, well, I guess, but I think people get a lot of joy out of like, even just having one of a pizza with flowers, like land on their table at the restaurant, or in this case, open up a box, <laughs> a pizza were, box and get one. When you were in art school, uh, did you have a particular area of focus of, uh, uh, an aspect of art that you're focused in? Yeah, I have a degree in painting, fine arts. So, and the reason I'm asking is, is because obviously composition is such a big part of of the fine arts and visual arts. Um, do you find that it's, you draw upon that sort of foundation in composing some of your pizzas? Yeah, big time. I think it, it does help too with, I mean, it's funny when you think of a pizza and you're, uh, when you're building it, you're making it, you know, for each piece to sort of hold its own because you're going to cut it in pieces. And so you have to make sure each piece has a little of the toppings on it, especially when you're working with things that aren't just like cheese and pepperoni or, yeah. you know, and I want to make sure like every slice is going to have a tomato, every slice is going to have this, you know? And so I think it's helpful to have that sort of balance when you're building pizzas too. And they are super visual. It's like every single one, you're looking at it that way. And, you know, making sure that, yes, it's beautiful, but also it, it, it makes sense from an eating perspective. <laughs> well, I know that it's early where you are, but it's lunchtime here where I am. Would you mind uh, vicariously sharing a slice of that pizza with us? Yeah, yeah. Let me see. Let me get my, uh, let me find my pizza slice. I can't find my little slicer, but I'll use the scissors. Okay. Yeah. As we say, enough talk, time for the eating. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a cute little pizza. It's just a little, it is. It's just a little baby Sweet. pizza. I have to say the proof was a little bit short just because I balled it up, you know. So yeah. I didn't get quite the spring, but, um, you know, you can see, yeah, it's a little, a little light on spring, but oh well. 
still going to be great. Now, do you, how old are your kids? Uh, I have a 15-year-old daughter, and my son is nine. So, so there's the, a little slice for you. Oh, there you go. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. you did get a little a little nice puff in the. In the mm. Usually, I go bigger for the puff, but yeah, but still can't be picky at you know nine thirty in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get up that early, but yeah. Mm. But the kids That's must. Great. I mean, the kids must ne- never get tired of having pizza. <laughs> no, they. I mean, they don't. I don't think any of us do. We're just like. I mean. The, actually, this, that's what this is great for, too, is um, usually I'll bring home dough on Sunday if I had some extra from Saturday at work. And they love, they're all getting pretty good at stretching out their pizzas. So I have two nephews who are nine and 10, yeah. and my son's nine, and they're like pretty into it and like getting pretty good at it. Cause you know, it's, 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 it's hard. It's, it's tricky. It's intimidating. And especially if you try it once and something gets stuck on yeah. the peel, you're kind of just like, and disaster happens and you just don't really want to do it again. You're traumatized. But, yeah, totally traumatizing. I know. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for not only sharing your story, but your pizza with us today. Uh, would you mind just got another little tilt of that pizza uh, so we can see the, the top and how beautiful it is. Uh, I'd love to There's leave. a bite out, but yeah. love to leave <laughs> with, uh, with that art shot, so to speak. The shot. And, and who knows, maybe this, maybe this could be one of the pizzas that we feature in our new book. In the pizza oh, place. Oh yeah, sure. Well, thank you so much, and and congratulations on all your success. Um, and, Thanks, you know, Peter. And for pivoting so well, as uh, I'm sure you all of you in Portland have some sort of a, a culinary community and in communication with each other, and I know you're all pulling together uh, to get through this. And uh, you know, thanks for being a big part of of the Portland story, you know, as well as the the pizza story. So yeah, thanks for having me. So, and thank you all for joining us on Pizza Talk. Uh, we're with Sarah Minnick, Lovely's 50-50. When you're in Portland, you've got to go check it out. There's, you know, as we, we've been hearing, Portland is becoming, you know, really one of the pizza epicenters of not only this country, perhaps of the world, because there's so much, not only great pizza, but very creative work being done there. Again, thanks, Sarah. And we'll see you all thanks, in the episode of Pizza Talk. Thanks. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.